Welcome to Franchise Festival, where we go in-depth with noteworthy video game series from the last 40 years. For Season 4, we're covering Capcom's Mega Man. You can follow us on Twitter at Franchise underscore Fest, write to us at FranchiseFestival at gmail.com, and support us at Patreon.com slash FranchiseFestival. Patrons get access to a bonus episode each month and get to vote on future episode topics. For this season's bonus shows, we're going to be covering spin-offs, adaptations, and spiritual successors to Capcom's 11 classic series entries. As for us, we're your hosts, Chris. And I'm Hamilton. And I'm Spencer. And this time, we're going to be talking about Mega Man 1. Prior to Mega Man, Japanese video game studio Capcom was dedicated almost entirely to the arcade industry. It had a string of hits throughout the 80s with 1942 in 1984, Ghosts and Goblins in 1985, and Street Fighter in 1987. The success of the Nintendo Entertainment System, NES, or uh, Famicom in Japan, convinced the studio to expand its portfolio into home console game development during the mid-80s, originally with pretty straightforward ports of their arcade titles to that platform. Once they had their foot in that door, however, Capcom's leadership started to explore creating a franchise entirely designed for consoles rather than just porting arcade games. The team members assigned to this project were Akira Kitamura, planner, who served as the leader of the Mega Man development team. He had previously worked on two arcade games, Avengers, a top-down brawler, and Section Z, a side-scrolling shooter. Keiji Inafune, who would go on to really big things at Capcom, He uh, had previously only designed character portraits for Street Fighter, so this was his big break. Yasuaki Kishimoto, who did character design on this, he's credited as Yasukichi, and had previously worked with Kitamura on Section Z. It's worth noting that uh, none of these people actually had their names in the credits of Mega Man 1. It was standard practice at Capcom at the time to use pseudonyms, so that staff couldn't be poached by other studios. Naoya Tomita was another character designer who was credited on this as Tom Pon, and this was his first game. Uh, Very similarly, Nobuyuki Matsushima, the programmer who was credited as HMD, had this as his first game as well. Manami Matsume is the composer for this. She's credited as Chenchikorin Manami, and this was her first game. And then finally, we have kind of a quasi-seventh uh, member of the team, Yoshihiro Sakaguchi, who is credited with sound programming as Yuuki-chan's papa. Very cute. He didn't really work on this title directly, but he did uh, develop the sound driver that Capcom used for all of its NES games, which is why his name's on this product. Inafane would go on to be the single person most associated with the series, since he did a lot of visual work on this original game, designing the logo, box art, instruction manual, lots of the characters, and even converting the team's concept art into its pixel version for the NES. The character of Mega Man was created collaboratively by Inafane and Kitamura, and was heavily influenced by the manga Astro Boy. Have either of you read any Astro Boy? Yeah, I've got like a weird... um. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It's not a first-hand knowledge of it, because I've never read it or watched it, but I, you know, consume enough nerdy Japanese crap that there's always, like, <laughs> like elements of Astro Boy pop up a lot. Yeah, really mm-hmm. influential work. I, I think it's from the 70s, correct me if I'm wrong. 
it was uh, really had a lot of uh, influence on the games and anime industries over the next uh, few decades. I think Treasure, the people behind Gunstar Heroes, did a really great Astro Boy adaptation for the Game Boy Advance. I keep meaning to pick that up. Looks like Astro Boy actually started in 1952. Good lord! Yeah. He's been around for a long time from what I understand. Mega Man was blue because that color had the most variations in the NES color palette. And that way they could make his sprite more detailed while also making it stand out from enemies and stage layouts. According to a later interview with Inafune, Mega Man probably would have been red if the palette limitation hadn't existed at the time, which is why Inafune's later creation, Zero, is red on the SNES. The character was named Rockman in Japan. Mega Man was only uh, applied in Western localizations. Japanese titles would feature the name Rockman all the way up to the latest series entry in 2018. The name Mega Man was made up by Capcom of America Senior Vice President Joseph Marici, who just disliked the name Rockman. It, it has some kind of unfortunate knock-on effects later in the series, because there's a naming convention for a lot of characters that are based on uh, music and music genres. So uh, Rock, who was Rockman, uh, his sister is Roll, so you had Rock and Roll, and then uh, later on you get uh, bass, you get his dog Treble, and the character Proto-Man uh, thankfully was renamed in the American version to be Proto-Man, because in the original he was Blues. So you had uh, Blues as the foil to Rock. Uh, a lot of good stuff in the original that didn't quite make it over to the localization, sadly. Alternate names for Mega Man in the original included Rainbow Man, because he absorbs the colors of bosses, Knuckle Kid, and Mighty Kid. Uh, Knuckle Kid and Mighty Kid came directly from uh, them wanting to imitate Astro Boy. So there you go. Uh, a few other character designs had some pretty disparate influences on them. Dr. Light, Mega Man's creator, was inspired by Santa Claus. Dr. Wily, who is the villain of the franchise, was inspired by Albert Einstein. And uh, Alec Man was inspired by American comic books. Who does Alec Man look like? I feel like there's a Spider-Man villain. Electro. Thank you. Okay. Interestingly, Mega Man could originally crouch like other side-scrolling characters, uh, Mario obviously chief among them, but that was found to make determining enemy projectile hitboxes more difficult during testing, so they stripped it out. In a way that was common for the NES, a bunch of stuff got omitted from this during development. It was a pretty hard platform to develop for, had really strict uh, cartridge limitations. And so many of the enemies that would later turn up in Mega Man 2 were originally planned for this. There were also three Robot Masters that were planned for this and got cut. The first was Bond Man, which I think would have like put out an adhesive like glue. They just did uh, concept art, if memory serves, and Bond Man is apparently pretty popular in the fan community. Uh, I don't know much about him. Bubble Man, who would later appear in Mega Man 2... And then finally, Oil Man, who would appear in the remake Mega Man Powered Up. The cover art for the original Japanese version features art by the team, pretty straightforward uh, manga style. But the North American localization infamously features a wild misinterpretation of the game's content. Uh, we've got Mega Man uh, squatting in the foreground against a Cyberpunk City in the background. 
He appears to be a middle-aged man in blue and yellow tights and brandishes a handgun at the player. It's amazing. Yeah, not not too related to the uh, the content. Uh, <laughs> this came from at this point an unknown marketing artist at Capcom of America because when uh, Capcom of Japan decided to release the game overseas, the American team had a full 24 hours to produce a cover for it. So uh, Joseph Marici, believing that the original anime-style cover would not appeal to young Americans, had apparently somebody at the company draft one up without ever having played the game. The game was finished in just a few months. I think it was four months total in development, and launched worldwide in December 1987. The Capcom sales team had initially stopped the studio from publishing it, believing it to be unappealing even within Japan. But Akira Kitamura prevailed, argued against them, and the game ended up being a small commercial success, despite being a pretty small print run in Japan. And this uh, small print run even just in the first uh, week or so of release, was what made the case for an international release, so it was pushed overseas very quickly. Internationally, sales were just okay, which was attributed by the development team to the bizarre North American and European cover art, uh, which led Capcom to not be that interested in doing a sequel. They figured that this was just a one-off since it had been such a modest success. Ports were later published on the PlayStation, PlayStation 2, GameCube, Xbox, PC, and more. Usually as part of a collection, there's even a mobile phone port. And not even a like a smartphone port, but a 2007 mobile phone port. A, uh, a pre-iPhone one, which I can't even imagine playing. Generally, the ports feature some degree of input lag, which in my opinion makes the game a lot tougher, and removes some of the exploits from the original. There was a, a trick in the original game where if you paused and unpaused really frequently, you could have your shots do additional damage to enemies, and that's not possible generally in the, the ports. Uh, but the trade-off is that the ports generally feature save states or rewind features. So for all of those lame, cheap deaths, you can kind of uh, push back the clock a little bit. I wanted I was going to bring it up in gameplay, but we may as well bring it up now since you already did, about that input delay. So I never played this on original hardware. I've been playing the ports, and you've been mentioning the whole time that there's that input delay, and you said it's not present on, um, uh, what was the version that you had that you said did not have that input delay? I played it uh, on the analog pocket, okay. but that's uh, that was just a direct emulation of the original NES. Uh, that The analog pocket does, it's called FPGA emulation, which is more true to original hardware, so that's why it doesn't have the input delay. Because the thing that's interesting is it didn't seem like it was actual input delay to me. Because when I hit the button to move, like, mm -hmm. there's definitely a delay between when I hit the button and when my character moves. But there's, like, a small animation. Like, you can see the character's foot move a little bit, like, as soon as you <laughs> yeah. hit the button. That almost, little inching forward. Yeah. yeah. So in, it almost looked to me like that was an intentional delay. Like, the character had to kind of build up momentum a little bit to hmm. start moving forward. Kind of like that... Uh, you know, like the movement in The Witcher that people kind of hated, where you'd like press forward on the stick and you had to wait for Geralt to sort of like shift his momentum forward before he starts moving? Right. It's much more common once 3D games came around because they do yeah. so much motion capture and uh, characters moving without uh, those interstitial frames looks unnatural. Uh, whereas in old pixel-based games, movement was generally instantaneous. Yeah, so I don't know if that's... Is that a... 
bug or because it does seem there was that weird little inching forward bit of the animation you mentioned that happens instantly so is that an intentional movement delay or is that a just a bug that happens in ports hmm do you have any input on this hamilton i don't know i mean i get what he's talking about mm-hmm. like you do kind of inch forward it does look like there's a little bit of like momentum building i i felt that there was a delay yeah more in the first game than the second one but the second one also had kind of a delay which really annoyed me yeah and the first one just legitimately has slightly poor controls like it's it's mm-hmm. it's as though the ground is constantly coated in a layer of grease mega man slides around a lot so yeah the controls aren't quite there like it's super i feel like it's meant to be super sensitive the way he can kind of inch forward but by the time that you actually like instigate a movement then there's like a little lag yeah I, I don't know if that's just the port or whether that was like the original design flaw. I don't know. In my experience, the input delay is more noticeable on a standing jump. So whereas Mega Man in the original, as soon as you tap the A button, jumps into the air, in ports there's a very, very slight delay, like a microsecond kind of delay, which quite a bit of the time resulted in me falling into pits when playing the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Yeah. I just found that Mega Man's jumps are more responsive in the original version. But as for uh, side-to-side movement, I think you might be right, Spencer. The delay's not so bad that in a different game it would be a problem, but a lot of... This game demands a lot of precision from you sometimes. Exactly. And it, yeah. it becomes a problem in that context. Yeah, a delay of this caliber would not be a problem in a Mario game. Also, since I'm already complaining this early <laughs> in the podcast... Yeah, get ready, does, listeners. Yeah, why does the... <laughs> Legacy Collection not have volume control options. Like, uh, why why can't you independently control the, the music and the sound effects and stuff? Yes. I could be wrong about this, but I believe that that is a quirk of NES programming. Um, something about the sound driver that they used uh, makes it so the sound effects and the uh, music take up the same channel in the original code. Which becomes a bigger issue in later games where uh, when you charge your weapon, it takes up one of the, the two stereo channels. I think the sound effects and music are inextricably linked in these games, but I could be wrong. Can you change the volume at all in it, actually? Uh, I think just with your remote control on your TV. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There is a cool uh, screen filter on the Legacy Collection where you can make it look like a CRT TV. I do like that. And um, again, something that will become more of an issue in later, more visually ambitious games. There's a lot of slowdown in the original NES versions that is not present in the Legacy Collection or more recent uh, ports of it because they're, they're a product of the NES processor being pretty limited. And at least in the Legacy Collection, you can turn that on or off. They either have it so the game artificially introduces slowdown in the way that the original did, or you can have it where it performs in a, a standard uh, 60 frames per second like modern games, which I, I didn't used to think mattered very much, but I have found in replaying these that the slowdown in these games actually helps you a little bit. Even though Mega Man moves, his moves slow down as well as the enemies, it just gives you a little bit more reaction time when you see a projectile coming at you. Another way that the originals, despite not having save states, are at times slightly more playable than recent releases of them. 
So the gameplay here is pretty straightforward. Uh, this is a side-scrolling platformer uh, with some simple shooting. You just got your two buttons. You got your jump button. You got your shoot button. Uh, your default weapon shoots these little pellets that I think it's uh, it's limited to three on screen at a time. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right about that. Yeah, so you can't just like really rapid fire it like you could in uh, like the Super Nintendo ones. Um, you had to fire in little bursts. Yeah, now that you mention it, though, your proximity to an enemy affects how quickly you can shoot, right? Because if yes. a bullet hits an enemy, then you can keep firing them more rapidly. Exactly. Although, at least in a Legacy Edition, like, you can rapid-fire-ish them. Uh, I think if you press, what is it, the X button instead of the Y button? It'll still only put three bullets on the screen at a time, though. Right, exactly. Right, that's why I said, like, ish. Yeah. But, yeah. like, it's still kind of quicker. You got hit point gauge your uh base weapon has unlimited ammo but as mm -hmm. you go through the game you unlock new weapons and each of those have their own independent weapon gauge yeah um the game's pretty non-linear so there's six robot masters you go through and defeat and mm -hmm. you can choose to go through and beat them in any order that you want yeah uh once you defeat all of them then you get sent to the final stage uh which is pretty linear um yeah. there's like a rock paper scissors structure to it though so the weapons that you unlock by beating the bot one of the robot masters uh as the boss of their stage uh they will do more damage to another specific robot master mm -hmm. uh which helps out a lot because this game is brutally difficult <laughs> can you tell us about a few of those weapons yeah so i think the most notable one is probably the super arm mm -hmm. uh this is gutsman's weapon this lets you pick up certain walls or rocks, objects in stages, and turn them into projectiles that you throw. Uh, yeah. I think this is the most interesting because it's kind of the only one that feels like a substantially different weapon and not just a little bit of like a reskin of your base weapon. Yeah, this is a real odd man out, too. I don't think they'd ever replicate doing something like this in a later series entry where you actually manipulate the environment around you. And that has implications in the levels itself, too, right? Because, like, there's... Uh, you know, you can use it, if you do Gutsman first and go through different stages, you can use that to get to areas you would not otherwise be able to access in order to get, uh, usually like pickups, but mm -hmm. in one case there is a a special uh, weapon that you find that you do need to progress through the last part of the game. Yeah. Hidden in the stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's the only, it's the only one that I can think of where it's just like, it's completely environment based, like you mm -hmm. don't produce the weapon on your own. And yeah, it's, it's incredibly limited because I think like at most there's like two rocks together. Yeah, you can't use it on any wall or surface. It's just specific designated ones that stand out from the environment. And some of the bosses mm -hmm. have those rocks sitting in their chamber so you can use it against them. Yeah, I think most of them did. And I was like, okay. Yes. Firestorm is one I leaned on very heavily for this because the the base weapon and in fact a lot of these weapons will just shoot a projectile 
completely straight left or right from you. And something the game likes to do is make enemies come at you from these like diagonals that exactly. make it impossible to hit unless you jump through a lot of hoops to position and time yourself just right. But the Firestorm weapon, in addition to shooting the projectile forward, it does a quick, a uh, second projectile will circle around you very quickly for a brief window. Mm -hmm. So you can use that to hit enemies that are in one of your, like, dead zones if they're close enough to you. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a while to figure out that utility for it, funny enough. I just, I thought that it was a fun visual effect, but it's really helpful in that way. Yeah, and it also seemed to just do a lot of damage. Uh, like, there were some pretty big enemies that otherwise soaked up a ton of bullets that Firestorm seemed to kill in one or two hits. Other than that, a lot of it's... Iceman's weapon I thought was totally useless. It's will freeze enemies in place briefly, but it does no damage. So you have to... The way the interface works in this, you can't quickly swap between weapons. You have to pull up the pause menu, which is slow, scroll to the weapon you want, close the menu, and this is all pretty slow by modern standards. So you do that, equip the Ice Slasher, shoot it to stun an enemy, pause it again, swap to you know a base weapon or a different weapon and shoot at it, and then it's unstunned. You waste so much time swapping back and forth to that to try to optimize the use of it right that it's infuriating and I, yeah i don't know it's 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 a bad weapon i thought it was a bad weapon it reminds me a lot of Link's awakening from our first season where the the controller limitations created a lot of time spent in menus yeah also what's really freaking annoying about i don't know if they changed this i hope they do but they <laughs> Is that if you go into the menu and you change your weapon, uh, you stop hanging on to whatever it is you're hanging on to. So you will, like, fall through a ladder. Yes. Yeah, I don't think they changed that. I think that's true in the entire first six games. That really pissed me off in the second one, which we'll get to on our <laughs> in a future recording. But holy crap. I'm like, are you kidding me? Because some of the levels, like, you're hovering above a pit of spikes or just a pit. Exactly. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm dead. I have to rewind. Thank God for rewind. I wonder if that's a programming issue. Like, I wonder if, because they, um... I, I wonder if the game creates an entirely new Mega Man because his color palette <laughs> changes, and that's why he's not still hanging on to the ledge, you know? No, I, just the the mental image was more funny. It's just like, if we're creating a new Mega Man, I just imagine that just, like, that one died, and it just <laughs> created a brand new one. They just take the old like, one out in back universe. and shoot it. Oh, yeah. Every single time. Yeah, it reminds me of the Prestige, you know? <laughs> what was that game? The Swapper? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Swapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the Rolling Cutter, that's a projectile that just moves along the ground. Uh, the bomb is what you'd expect. You throw it in kind of an arc, and then there's a pretty long delay before it blows up. Yeah, I really dislike the bomb. Thunderbeam is helpful sometimes. So, Elecman's weapon, when you shoot it, uh, it will, it like emanates from the tip of the, the gun, so it's not centered on your character, but from the shooting point, it will shoot like an electricity beam in the four cardinal directions. And yeah. I think it might also split off too. I don't know if it's when it hits something or after a certain distance. Uh, but if you set this up right, this can also be used to hit enemies that are in really weird spots. Like mm -hmm. if you have something shooting at you, again, diagonally from a distance, or if it's like underneath you on a ladder shooting up at you. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of the only option you have for hitting those things. I think um, this is the one that I used most besides the basic Mega Buster. 
I'll be honest, I didn't use any of the special weapons. I didn't find them particularly more helpful than just the Mega Buster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know whether they have distinctly higher damage output. I mean, obviously we know that the Ice Slasher has no damage output, but I don't know if Mm -hmm. the projectile from the Thunder Beam is actually any stronger against average enemies than Mega Man's standard weapon. There's probably a website online that documents that in great detail. I'm sure. <laughs> it's still important on ladders, because, I mean, this game has, you know, instant death pits, uh, and if you get knocked off a ladder, it's almost certainly a death in mm-hmm. some of the stages. So um, when things are, you know, specifically positioned in a way to make it so that you can't normally hit them, uh, you really need to lean on these weapons to try to, like, get yourself a little space, otherwise you're just going to die a bunch. Um, which will affect your score. <laughs> yes, yeah, the score. Yes. <laughs> And I'm really worried about that. Yeah, how about this, sleep over that one. <laughs> yeah, this is antiquated and weird. Um, I mean, I've already let my feelings seep into this a little bit. I'm trying not to just blatantly editorialize too much, but um, <laughs> this game has a lot of... It feels like old, like unfair quarter-munching mentality with mm-hmm. the, the, the deaths it throws at you. Yeah. And another you know, part of that is that there's a score system, right? Like, mm-hmm. you get points based on objects you pick up in the stage and how well you do in the stage uh i guess presumably to compete with your friends like i don't know i <laughs> i think you played everybody's this. on the playground talking about their Mega Man scores yeah i've <laughs> never met a single person that uses that as a Ever. criteria for success in Mega Man. Uh, even people that are big fans of it now it's usually speed running exactly right? so like score doesn't have a place in speed running at least not no, I, I think it's conspicuous that they took this out of the series, starting with the second game. I imagine that this is purely a relic of the fact that this is Capcom's first dedicated home console game. They had only made arcade games before, and scores were so much bigger of a deal there. It has to have score, because that's just what games have, right? Exactly, yeah, it's just it's standard to the medium at the time. You have a note here for Magnet Beam. Is that the platform gun that you pick up? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I always thought of it as a wire, but apparently it's called the magnet beam. I don't even remember picking it up. What, do you automatically get it? No. No, you do have to seek it out. It makes the Wily oh. stages a lot easier. I just had, I just all of a sudden had it, but I don't remember seeking uh, it out. Yeah, you have to use Gutsman's power to get to it. I think it's an Electman stage. Yeah, it's an Elect mm. Man stage. You have to use, and I, I remember I was frustrated because I saw that in there. When I didn't have Gutsman's power, mm-hmm. and I made a mental note I should go back for it, thinking that it was probably, I don't know what I thought it was. <laughs> I certainly didn't think it was something that was critical for progression. So after I beat all the Robot Masters, instead of going back for it, I decided to go through Wily's stage. And after beating my head against that and getting to a certain room that I couldn't progress through, mm-hmm. I realized, no, I bet I need to go back and get that stupid thing to get through this room. And I was right. Yeah, pretty rough flaw. Yeah, it just lets you uh, make temporary platforms in midair. So um, you, I, I guess it's probably a useful tool in some situations, but the only time it's necessary, at least that I saw, is you will approach a room that's just a ladder. It's an empty room with a ladder too high up for you to reach, and you mm-hmm. just have to have this so that you can make a platform to get up to the ladder. Yeah, it's you know what it's really useful during? There are these uh, portions where blocks pop out in a rhythm from the wall and then disappear. And you need to use those blocks to get somewhere. Uh, this can be used to obviate that challenge. You can just make a platform and skip the entire block sequence. Yeah, that would be helpful, I suppose. 
it looks like a visual glitch too. It's like it it constantly <laughs> flickers. Yeah, it, yeah. Kind of charming. Well, I know that's uh, that's an old NES programming trick, right? It was limited to how many sprites could be on the screen. So if you had an ability that created more things on the screen than there should be, it would flicker stuff. That way, uh, no two flickering things... They'd be, like, out of sync, right? So if you had two things flickering, it was such that no two of them were on the screen simultaneously. Man, I never knew that. That's really cool. Yeah. But that, that explains why these games are so full of... When they have the slowdown, there's also quite a bit of flickering. <laughs> So this gets us to the story and walkthrough of Mega Man 1. And in the style of classic NES games, the instruction manual was written by folks on the localization team who were not in any way connected to the folks who made the game. So uh, a lot like the original Legend of Zelda, there's bizarre typos and just made up story that doesn't actually correspond to the game. So I'd like to do a dramatic reading here of the story as written in the North American manual. <clears throat> it's Mega Man versus the powerful leaders and fighting forces of Monsteropolis, that strange <laughs> multifaceted land of robot-like humanoids. Brilliant scientist Dr. Light conceived the construction of fully operational human-like experimental robots to perform specific everyday duties. Dr. Light and his assistant, Dr. Wily, encouraged by their very first near-human robot, Mega Man, proceeded to develop six additional humanoids, all programmed to perform prescribed rituals. But, with the exception of Mega Man, all of Dr. Light's near-human robot experimentation went awry. Assistant Dr. Wily turned disloyal, reprogramming Dr. Light's humanoids, now bent on destroying opposition so Dr. Wily could control the world and its resources. Resisting reprogramming, Mega Man is chosen as the defender of the universe and its inhabitants. Mega Man dares to single-handedly penetrate seven separate empires of Monsterophilus, eliminating the leaders and followers of these sovereignties. <laughs> okay. As the cherry on top, Dr. Light is misnamed Dr. Wright in the original North American manual as well. Good stuff. <laughs> if you want, to our listeners, if you want a wonderful interpretation of the uh, story of Mega Man, uh, you should listen to the first two Proto-Men albums. Dang, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. But as Spencer said, so you start in the middle, um, and then surrounding you are the six robot masters. It's like a menu. So you pick which one you want to start. Why not just stick with a, why not start with Bomb Man stage? Mm -hmm. The stage itself doesn't seem to have really anything to do with Bomb Man. Mm -hmm. It's a tower and you have to climb up it. There are other towers in the background. Yeah. There's some enemies here. There's explosive birds, which are absolute pests in this game. Yeah, they are. There's like bombs that kind of fly up from pits and kind of scatter. They're just as annoying as the birds. I'm going to be saying this a lot. The <laughs> enemies in this game are 
not necessarily difficult, just very ill-placed. And I understand that's part of, you know, adding a challenge. Mm-hmm. But some of it just feels dumb sometimes, where I'm just like, really? That thing had to appear out of nowhere right there? I think it's indicative of the times, though. These enemies don't have quite the articulation of something like uh, the enemies in the original Metal Gear or the enemies in the mm-hmm. original uh, Castlevania, where there's this sort of rudimentary back and forth sword fighting. Uh, in this, mm-hmm. the enemies are primarily obstacles designed to either nick off your health or drop you into pits or spikes. And that will happen a lot. A lot of Mega Man, for better or for worse, as it seems in the initial one, is just trial and error. Mm-hmm. Because you are going to just have to have a lot of leaps of faith, assuming, probably, that something is going to troll you. It's just going to appear and hit you and make you fall down to the pit. Or, as we'll find later on, there's like appearing and disappearing blocks. Yeah. And sometimes, you like... It's kind of nice at the very, very beginning because it kind of trains you to be like, oh, this is how the bo- blocks operate. Yeah, it doesn't throw you into the deep end up front. But it also doesn't really help, I think, in the grand scheme because when pits are there, you still don't really know where they're going to appear at all. So mm-hmm. you have like a few seconds at most to kind of hope that you're going to jump in the right direction because it might just appear... Um, Right uh, right over your head. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Back yeah. to, to Bomb Man's thing. I know. This is this will be an interesting one. You have Sniper Joe. I hate him in this game. Absolutely <laughs> hate, despise him. He's better, I think, in the future games. Yeah, he'll the be in the whole one. series. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, he has a shield that um he uses to block your attacks. But in the second one, which we'll, again, we'll get to eventually, there's like a little lag when he shoots, which mm-hmm. I super appreciate, because in this one, he just flat out just shoots you immediately. Yeah, it's like his shield goes down and he shoots instantly. Yeah. Immediately. I have never gotten a shot out before he does, and I have always gotten hit. You have to like get the rhythm of when he puts his shield down, because you have to time it so that you shoot and your bullet is already in transit when his shield goes down. Mm-hmm. Right. It has to be so perfect. I I never got the hang of it. So I just I just tanked the hit. And he hits hard in this game and the second one. Right. Because they know that he's a, an annoying enemy. But um, going through the, the stage, you eventually get to the boss. He's like a chicken-headed robot dude. You know, I, I don't know what the, uh, the manufacturers were thinking when they made him, but hey. <laughs> so one thing, if I can jump in here, I don't know if we want to leave this natural or if Chris wants to edit it, but there's... Something I neglected to bring up in the the gameplay section that I think is crucial uh, for understanding why this game feels so frustrating, Mm -hmm. and that's the life structure. There's Uh. no checkpoints in this, really. Well, there's one. In every stage, there's the whole stage section, and then when you get to the boss, there's like a door that you transition through, a little like threshold hallway, and that serves as a checkpoint. So if you die... At the boss, at least, you'll respawn in that hallway and you don't have to redo the stage. But if you die anywhere in the stage, no matter how far you are, you have to start over from the beginning. There might be exceptions, because like I think the, uh, in Wily's Castle, because it's so long, there's a few. Oh, yeah, um, that makes sense. But for the most part, you have to restart over. And you only get, by default, is it, it's two or three lives. You don't have a lot. So if you die more than, you know, twice attempting a boss, then you don't even get to respawn at that checkpoint anymore. It's back to the start of the stage. Yeah, when you click continue, you go back to the beginning. There, There is an overall progression in that 
once a boss is beaten until you reset the console it stays beaten you don't get a full game over but continuing uh only continues the stage that you're on it doesn't uh let you use any checkpoints and like even as a kid like again it's not if i don't care how good you are at this game you will die you have mm-hmm. to because again the game kind of trains you how it works by you running into things that just appear mm-hmm. out of nowhere so you you literally can't just be good and just like get good so to speak it's like you just have to die to beat this game yeah and the, there's like a move it likes to pull where there's uh there's these platforms that will disappear and then reappear on like a rhythm and what it likes to do a lot is it'll time it so that there will be a platform that you can't jump through that will appear directly over top of your head. So mm-hmm. you have to jump on a platform and then time it so that when you jump up, the new one spawns underneath you. And that's not inherently bad. You know, platformers that I like do that, but the timing and the spacing is so tight. Yeah, very precise. Mm-hmm. That's why I mentioned it before. It's just like, it is, those are awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's they're like one-hit kill pits. So if you yep. get to that part and you know what's coming, and you try to time it, and you're like a pixel off, it will shove you off to the side, down into a pit, you die. You don't get to try that jumping puzzle again. It's back to the start of the whole stage. Yeah, that's what the rewind really comes in handy for on the the re-releases. Or save states. I always put a save state every time that I get to safe ground during one of those sections. But finishing up uh, the Bomb Man boss, you can cheese this guy so hard. I love Mm -hmm. it. So he jumps around and just chucks bombs at you, but if you stay at, I don't know if, if it's both corners, but I stayed at the far right corner, he never threw a bomb that got close enough to hit me. How about that? I would have figured that the bombs would be likely to fall in the corners. No, it always misses me, like, by a pixel, perhaps, but it always missed me, so I literally just sat there and just shot at him and killed him. It reminds me of beating Dark Link at the end of Zelda 2. Mm-hmm. Can't get me in the corner. I mean, otherwise, he hits pretty hard, because those stupid bombs actually do do a lot of damage, so if I can cheese, I will. Yeah, I always do this guy first, because there's a delay on the bombs, so you can Mm -hmm. sort of avoid them and shoot at him while he's jumping around. So, Gutsman, uh, this is like a construction zone in the mountains. This has a platforming thing that I actually kind of like, because a lot of the platforming... Yeah, so a lot of the platforming puzzles in this feel... Like, they're not something that you can predict ahead of time. They feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, part of my language, they feel like real bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, try. you know, we threw around the term trial and error. They come out of nowhere. You get surprised with stuff. But with this, the, the gimmick is there's these little conveyor platforms that move around. And when they hit a certain point uh, in the track, the platform drops away. Mm-hmm. And you can see that happening before you jump on it. So it's, you can see that understand what's happening and go into it with a plan right you can figure out how it works how you need to time it and then go into it and just execute it mm-hmm. on the first try uh which is awesome that is what platformers are good for right uh rapid iteration is also important and we're not there yet um <laughs> it still spawns you back at the start if you die yeah but I did like these pla- the platforming puzzles in Gutsman with those fall away like conveyor belts. I'm glad to hear you say that because that makes perfect sense to me why this this would be more mechanically satisfying. I get very irritated at this because a few of the sections of track are, um, they have the gaps in really close succession. And every time that I play this game, 
I lose a full three lives on Gutsman's stage before I can figure out the the rhythm of when the platform's going to drop. You need to do a little bit of careful planning. Sometimes you you jump over just one of the gaps. You know, the platform drops and then comes back up and you land on it. But sometimes it's advantageous to get a bigger arc and try to throw Mega Man over two of the gaps. Uh, just due to the timing of when the, the platform comes back up. And it drives me crazy, but I will recognize that it is better design than a lot of the platforming challenges here. For the enemies in this, are the metals that you have here, are those those like low profile ones that scoot across the floor very quickly? Yes, in the vector? classic Mega Man enemy. They're like a yeah. little construction helmet with eyes. Oh, I was thinking of something different. There's ones that are like the blade traps in like Legend of Zelda, where they move back and forth slowly on a platform, and then once oh, you're yeah. on the same platform, they move faster. Yeah, I don't know if I have those named in here. I don't know what those things are called. Yeah, but I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, metals are these little uh, helmeted guys that you can't hurt um, until they open up their helmet to either move or shoot you, and then mm -hmm. you have to... It's a very narrow window, or narrow... Well, range that you have to get the bullet in and narrow window of time in which to get it there. Right. Uh, so these are kind of a pain in the butt. Uh, helicopter faces are just flying enemies. Their whole gimmick is that they... I don't think they, any of them shoot projectiles. Uh, they mostly just come in at uh, really inconvenient angles. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, which on a flat surface wouldn't be too bad, but if you are on a platform doing platforming stuff and they show up, a lot of times the platforms you're on are too narrow for you to maneuver into a position where you can actually like jump and hit them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where you know different weapons are helpful. Um, yeah. Either a Lechman or Fireman to help you hit them when you can't otherwise position yourself to reach them with your base weapon. Exactly. There's things that are very reminiscent of Hammer Bros from Mario yeah. in this. Uh, I don't know what else to say about them other than they're Hammer Bros. Yeah, they chuck, <laughs> they chuck hammers into the they air in an arc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're uh, real dangerous when pits are nearby, and there are often pits nearby. Yeah, there's this one enemy... These show up in a lot of stages. They're like these big hopping cyclops things. Yeah. It's pretty much just like one big piston with what looks <laughs> like a like a Gundam cockpit on the top of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just pogo sticks itself up in the air and toward you, trying to hit you. These take a ton of base rounds to kill, Yeah, which is annoying. Mm -hmm. And the other annoying thing is, you know... Maybe someone with younger hands than me can mash the button <laughs> fast enough to, for this not to be a problem, but they usually come at you in a somewhat confined space, so you don't have enough room to kill it before it would jump on you. So mm -hmm. in order to get more space, you have to wait for it to do a big jump and run underneath it, but I mm -hmm. could not find any sort of pattern or telegraphing to let you know when it's going to do a big jump no, that you can run under, no, or if it's going to do a short jump where it will hit you if you try to run under it. I don't care for these enemies at all. Yeah, they stink. Um, again, uh, the rewind feature is obviously there for a reason, but I don't. It doesn't feel good to have to lean on that so heavily. <laughs> um, and this is an enemy where the rewind feature is really important because it's really the only way to, the only way to identify if it's going to do the long jump that you can avoid mm -hmm. is by it doing it and then rewinding time and taking advantage of it. Yeah, and they'll throw one of these before most of the bosses, the the robot masters. The boss is Gutsman. He's a very broad, uh, kind of muscular enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, I like him because he has a pattern that is... Again, I don't think any of the bosses have an attack pattern that's necessarily like super complex, mm -hmm. but 
it's difficult to learn them because you take so much damage and sometimes the timing to dodge them is so precise yeah that it's really unforgiving and because you have so few lives you know it's very difficult to succeed in just like two tries mm-hmm. before you have to do the whole darn level again yeah right uh but guts man's not that bad um, the big thing that you need to learn is that when he jumps in the air and lands, he's so heavy that it shakes the ground and does an earthquake that kind of, like, stuns you. Mm-hmm. So you need to time jumps with when he lands Yeah. Uh, to avoid getting stunned. Uh, and you also need to avoid the giant boulders that he throws at you. Thankfully, those usually come at you, like, pretty directly, and you can just jump over them to avoid them. Uh, so it's this fight's all about timing and patience. Just jump over the... the sh- earthquake hit him with like one bullet jump over the boulder hit him with one bullet Mm -hmm. uh, rinse repeat until he's dead it takes a long time but once you get in the rhythm of when you need to jump on him uh he i thought was the easiest of like the the base bosses oh okay interesting yeah i i struggled with him because of the spread of the uh the earth that comes at you when he chucks it uh i would often get nicked even when i thought i had jumped above it and he would keep staggering me i just never quite got the rhythm of his jumps. So he'd like stagger me and then he'd just like jump into me and just do a massive amount of damage. Yeah, I have a pretty hard time with him. He's weak to Bomb Man's power though, and he, st- he is stationary enough that it's easier to hit him with the bombs, you know, with their delayed attack than most enemies. After that, the next logical step is Cut Man. Which is, for some reason, the outside of a prison. I don't know why Cut Man is here. But he is. Uh, the the color palette here is very sickly. It's like differing shades of green and gray. Uh, there are called these... Shiv Man. Yeah, sh... <laughs> <laughs> Shiv Man. Before he was... Uh, before he escaped. Became a productive member of society. Yeah, before yeah. he got his act together. <laughs> exactly. There are these little bunkers here that fire scissor blades out at you in an arc, which I think is pretty fun. The only noteworthy enemy that I've flagged here are these little leaping blue springs, which are one of the only enemies in the game that do not have googly eyes, which makes <laughs> me dislike them. Uh, I really like the uniformity of cute design on Mega Man enemies. It's one of my favorite parts about these games. It occurs to me to note, though, that we are not noting all of the enemies in each stage. We're just kind of noting the first time an interesting enemy appears. But listeners can assume that some of the enemies that we've talked about before are reoccurring in each of these stages. Cutman himself is, again, just a pretty standard humanoid robot, white and orange color palette, with scissors on its head. Real silly looking fella. He flings scissors at you in a boomerang arc. It's like the scissors go out. I think it's, I think it's upward first and then come down and come back to him. Uh, maybe it's out and then upward and then back. But you're, uh, you're, of course, trying to avoid those. His critical weakness is being crushed by giant blocks, which are foolishly present in his arena. Really should have set up shop in a different place or had those blocks cleared out. So if you use Gutsman's power to pick those blocks up and chuck them at him, dies in two hits.
which uh, brings us to the next stage. We're going to go ahead and uh, tackle a Lechman stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're timing, climbing a tower, once again. There is a really good item in here that I got by accident. Yeah, I this just, is the magnet beam. <laughs> I saw a shiny and I got the shiny, not <laughs> realizing that I could even use it. Mm-hmm. Also in this stage is... Our favorite, the one that we talked about before, the appearing and disappearing platform blocks that I had to spam, rewind, over and over and over. This is their debut. Some of the noteworthy enemies in this one are the steel blades that go across the floor. You can't hit them unless you have Cutman's power. You just have to kind of avoid them. Right. There's also like little floating spheres with uh, two eye stalks that blast electricity at you. Um, they'll do this while you're on the ladders. Hate these guys. Any enemy that's on a ladder, I... I have now grown a f- strong hatred towards. Mm-hmm. Because any damage that you take on a ladder, which makes sense, I suppose, will <laughs> knock you off of it. Or rather, he'll just stop holding on to it. But because early Mega Man games, and honestly, moving forward, ladders play a big part of it. Because you're transitioning from like one stage to another. Like one, one floor to another. Right, one floor to another. And if you're getting hit and you lose your grip, you're falling several stages below you. Yeah, something that we didn't note, actually, it occurs to me, is that uh, these stages are divided into individual screens, Mm -hmm. and they aren't consistently a single screen like would would fit on your TV. Sometimes they do scroll a bit, but inevitably you'll get to a door transition or go up a ladder to transition upward or that sort of thing. I don't think they ever scroll upward. And also when you transition from zone to zone, mm-hmm. the enemies that were on there respawn. Yes, so if you have one of those giant Cyclops enemies, or I don't know, take one of the many enemies that you're going to hate in this game. They're back! <laughs> yeah, you can kind of cheese that sometimes too, because if you go slightly off screen from them, scroll slightly to the left, and then come back, they'll have disappeared sometimes. Sometimes they do. So that yes. was, yeah, that was a workaround that I used in, I think it's Wily Stage 1, where there's just a marauding band of those giant Cyclops piston enemies. I just kept moving slightly (laughs) out of their range and coming back and they would have disappeared. And they're just gone. Yeah, that's clearly a glitch. You know, that's not how the game's supposed to play. You know, work smarter, not harder. You're darn right. Now we have the boss. Mm Mm-hmm. A luck man, he's like a lightning ball. He has a lightning ball in his forehead. He's the guy we mentioned earlier, like uh, based off of Electro. Right. Someone put evil Harry Potter, maybe. I'm pretty sure this was me. I, because he has a lightning bolt on his forehead. He's just like Harry Potter. So he fires uh, very large lightning projectiles that I found very difficult to avoid. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a way beyond it. I personally found it very difficult. And the damn things hit so hard. Because he doesn't fire them at ground level. He fires them like at head level. So you yeah. really need a full jump arc to get over them. You know, we said that some things hit like a bulldozer. These things hit like an actual like skyscraper. The entire damn building. <laughs> like, these things knock off at least a third of your health. And without rewind, I just died and died and died. Yeah, he's so fast, too. All the better gamers than myself who are just like, dude, all you had to do was this to avoid it. It's like, you do you, man. You have the skills <laughs> to pay the bills. I did not. He's extremely weak to cut man's power. Thank, Thank goodness. goodness. <laughs> so that'll take him out, but he's a tough one. Yeah, if you come in here without the the rolling cutter, you are doomed. I have never beaten this guy without his weakness. Mm-hmm. 
It does occur to me here to note an odd design quirk of the first Mega Man game, kind of like the score system that would go away in later entries. Mm -hmm. Unlike every later classic Mega Man game, the area immediately preceding the boss in this is a hallway filled with enemies. Mm -hmm. Uh, You go through this, uh, I I guess it's like a shutter door or something. It's very, uh, it's very auditorially satisfying. It's like tick, 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 tick. As it rolls up and you go through it. And in all future Mega Man games, it's just an unadorned single screen hallway that acts as a checkpoint. But here, there's one last gauntlet of enemies to go through. Which paradoxically can be helpful. You know, if if you lose at the boss, you can shoot those enemies. And they'll sometimes release little uh, weapon energy capsules that you can use to replenish your weapon energy. If you lost it in an earlier boss attempt. Since your weapon energy doesn't come back after you've lost to the boss. It's a blessing and a curse. Exactly. It's very much a blessing and a curse. And here in Electman stage, this is, to the best of my recollection, the only Robot Master stage in the series where you ascend a ladder into the arena. And so you start Electman's fight in the middle of the stage rather than on the left side of it. So Iceman stage uh, is in like a frozen rainforest. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has the appearing and disappearing blocks, you know, over pits. Oh, yeah. I can't think of much else noteworthy about the stage itself other than uh, there's parts of the ground that have ice physics here. Yeah, every level in this game, in this entire freaking game, has ice physics to a certain extent. So weird. Absolutely drove me insane. I'm like, why would you do something like this? This is just to hurt people. (laughs) Well, it ties into that weird, like, momentum of movement, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like he has to wind up to start moving forward, and it also feels Mm -hmm. like he needs, like, a minute to stop moving forward. Mm Mm-hmm. He needs to take off the ice skates. (laughs) Yeah, it's really like a proto-Sonic the Hedgehog, because Mm -hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog, those 2D side-scrollers are really noteworthy for the momentum physics. But broadly, pixel-based side-scrollers don't have momentum physics, and for very good reason. They make it hard to determine where you're going to land or when you're going to jump. And I have no idea what Capcom was doing here with this, and I guess neither did they, because it never reoccurs in the franchise. (laughs) Neither did they. It's so odd. I always forget that about the original Mega Man. It's fascinatingly bad. Uh, There's some flying penguins here. Functionally, these aren't that different than other flying enemies we've talked about. It's Mm -hmm. just they're difficult because they can approach you from uh, inconvenient angles. Mm -hmm. There's these running dudes whose heads will fly off at you if you blow up their bodies first. These guys constantly got me. Same. Um, Because, yeah, you shoot them, they pop, their head keeps going and usually hits you. Yeah. Uh, There's these, like... Uh, eyeball platforms that are they they float along over uh, big pits in a pattern and they will shoot bullets out of either side of them so I kind of prefer this because instead of having enemies coming at you like from above you at angles you can't reach and knocking you into these pits Mm -hmm. which is a very frustrating thing this game does a lot uh you know exactly where the bullets are going to be coming at you from, from the other platforms you're trying to jump to. Mm -hmm. And because those only move on a horizontal plane, it's a lot easier to dodge. Like you never get yourself in a situation here where it feels like, oh, well, I'm just hosed because the way the platform is moving (laughs) and the way the enemy's coming at me, there's no possible way for me to shoot it before it hits me. Right. Right. Like these are at least semi predictable patterns um, with bullets on a trajectory that you can always deal with based on how you're moving. 
Yeah, I couldn't predict their patterns, though. Could you? Like, I, they, they seemed like sometimes they would just float away at the worst possible moment and I'd be left twisting in the wind. Well, that's why I said semi-predictable. Um, I felt like I always had a good enough of an idea of where they're going that gotcha. I don't think I ever died here, even wow. without Rewind. Uh, I thought these were pretty manageable. I had to restart this stage twice. Oh, no. I really struggled with these. The only way that I got past this section was using the magnet beam to cheat it. Yeah, some of the platforming stuff wasn't the worst. The bigger problem was usually, again, like when they throw flying enemies at you on narrow platforms because then it's just instant kill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you either have to abuse, rewind, or just start the stage over. Yeah. The boss is Iceman. He's a blue robot in a parka. Pretty cute. He'll jump and shoot three uh, like stack, like tiers of... Uh, like icicles at you that are kind of staggered mm -hmm. in a way that you need to time your jump so that you go between like the first two and then fall back down between the second and third. Mm -hmm. It's really tight timing. Um, I died, you know, like, you know, it becomes apparent pretty quick. I think what you need to do is just executing. It's a big problem. Yeah. Which is annoying, but at least it's a problem that generous rewinding can kind of fix. Yeah, as hard as this boss is, I think he's still one of the better bosses in the game, just because he has a clearly defined and understandable pattern. Yeah, I actually agree with that, too. It's just like, I just want a pattern that, again, you can learn. That That's a get good moment. This is like, right, okay, right. you're giving me enough cues. It's just like, I can actually be good at this. Mm -hmm. Instead of just randomly like, oh, here's an enemy. Time to die. <laughs> Makes me think of uh, Rutger Hauer in Blade Runner. Time to die. <laughs> it comes back to the rapid iteration problem a little bit, though. Because yeah. if you if this didn't have lives and you got to just keep restarting at the boss checkpoint for this, it would be great because you could do this four or five times like in succession and probably get it. But the mm -hmm. fact that you, I mean, I'm sure players better than me know where all the lives are hidden at and can stockpile more than a couple going into this. But I think for the most part... You get two tries at this, and then you have to do the whole level over again. Yeah, modern games handle this kind of thing so much better. This is, uh, the, the life system here, and how punishing it is, is very much an artifact of the 80s. Also, I guess it's worth noting, though, when I beat him, I did not have the electric beam for it. So, with the extra damage you do from electric beam, uh, maybe this is a lot more doable on the first or second try. But if you're going in with just the, the power arm, uh... You gotta sustain some pretty tight patterns for a long fight. Yeah. That's tough. Uh, after that, I think the last one is Fireman. After ice comes fire. Mm -hmm. um, he's in a factory, which I guess kind of makes sense for him. You know, he's above like a lake of flame. Yeah. There are like jets of fire that shoot up on the platforms. Um, they can be frozen, thankfully, with ice, uh, Iceman's power, which I found helpful. Yeah, then they can be turned into ways to get up to higher platforms, which is neat. Exactly, and they turn into their own platforms, which is uh, which is pretty nice. There's also these firewalls that are propelled through pipe, uh, pipes you navigate. Mm -hmm. um, they're unavoidable unless you have the magnet beam. Once you do, you can skip them, which is super nice. Noteworthy enemies in this one. There's like fireballs that fly up. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen an enemy like this before. Because it's very ethereal. It's just like you have these little fireball enemies, like little smiley faces. They look kind of like bombs from Final Fantasy. Yes. Those and little fireball, kinda... angry fireballs. 
They just kind of float down. These were probably the least egregious enemies I had in the entire game, Mm because they kind of float down slowly, and they've never really became a threat to me. Yeah, they don't home in on you. They just, they have a route, and they proceed along that route, so you can reasonably predict where they're going to be. Yeah, they're like the least trouble. I mean, I guess they'd be a problem like when they come from the bottom, Mm -hmm. um, if you're trying to jump for something, but they didn't cause me too much agitation yeah unlike the boss (laughs) so his hands are torches his mouth is like a little flame guard yeah i was not good at dodging his flame walls um at all Oh yeah real tough you can jump over them but i would always get hit by the little flame that uh like heat seeks across the floor after the flame wall yeah it's like it stays underneath where you passed over the flame wall. Yeah, and I always got hit by those. Thankfully, it doesn't do as much damage, so I don't even think I needed to, like, really rewind that much, but I couldn't avoid it either. Also with Weak Man's... Also with Weak Man's power. Weak Man. Also, he's weak to Ice Man's power. Uh, Doesn't do a terrible... Terribly a lot more damage than your standard weapon, but, you know, every bit helps. Yeah, some of these bosses are extremely weak to weapons, and some of them it just does maybe double the standard attack. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, overall, this guy wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much clears all the robot masters. Now you have Dr. Wily's castle. So Dr. Wily's castle begins with uh, a very brief cutscene where we see Dr. Wily, this Albert Einsteinian figure, in uh, a UFO float up into the middle of the screen and... Uh, shake his heavy eyebrows at us, (laughs) and then take off in the UFO. So uh, we then appear at the entranceway to this castle and make our way inside. It's uh, it's a big fortress. We have to use a bunch of the Robot Master powers to get through. You need to freeze flame jets using Iceman's power. You need to remove walls using Gutsman's power. And you even need to use that uh, magnet beam ability to get through at least one room. Those horrible big-hopping Cyclops robots are now everywhere. They're a real problem when you're in tiered spaces, especially, because they're even harder to get underneath than usual. The boss of this is one of the worst bosses in the franchise. The Yellow Devil assembles itself with parts that fly in horizontally from off-screen on the left once you enter the arena. So you need to jump over those uh, in a, a specific pattern. They move very quickly. so. Really, the only reasonable way to avoid them is to memorize the pattern, which obviously you're not going to have memorized the first time you come in the room. Once the Yellow Devil is assembled, it's just a a big, static, standing uh, Cyclops. It's yellow, it's vaguely humanoid, and it fires, I believe it's a single shot at you, and then beams itself piece by piece to the opposite side of the room in the same pattern as it entered. So you get a very brief window of time where you need to dodge that bullet and hit it in the eye. If you have the, uh, well, I guess, and you certainly do, have the Elect Man power at this point, that will kill it in seven hits. So you need to dodge it pretty much a full seven times, it uh, disappearing and reassembling itself, in order to slay the Yellow Devil. There's a really neat exploit in the original version of the game where if you fire the elect beam at it, and then as the elect beam hits its eye, you just rapidly pause and unpause. And really? It, yeah, it, it 
dies right then and there. The elect beam, every time you unpause, counts as at least one more hit. Hmm. Can't do that in the Legacy Collection, though. The pattern is so long and so precise, and you have to do it so many times. It is... I mean, I, I, I wish I was better at articulating how difficult it is to dodge all of these mm-hmm. in one full health bar. But it's imp- it's it seems impossible. Yeah, and there's such a limited range of movement because where he if you touch the version of him that is being disassembled, you get damaged. If you touch the reassembled version of him as it's assembling, you take damage. And if you get hit by any of the parts flying between the two points, you sustain damage as well. So your your movement is extremely constricted in this fight. And even if you try to exploit the rewind, which I tried, Mm-hmm. The sheer amount of times that you're still going to have to exploit it, mm-hmm. then you're going to have like an hour and a half fight. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. They would bring this guy back in later series entries, and he's never half as hard as he is here. Whether because the arena's bigger or the attacks don't do as much damage, they're slower at reassembling. Whatever the case, the Yellow Devil is always better than he is here. Even that one shot he shoots out of his eye during his weak period, because... It's a very small hitbox, right? It's yep. actually really hard to land that shot. It is. And that single shot that he puts out makes it so you can't even help yourself by being close to him. Because if you're too close, he's also going to hit you. Mm-hmm. So you have to stay away, miss some percentage of your shots. It just re- requires such perfection to get through it. Yeah, this guy really belies the arcade origins of this team. Yeah, and there's still like four more stages after this before the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wily's Castle Stage 2 consists of a bunch of platforms in the sky, which are mostly designed to get you to a boss rush. Uh, you, you fight the various, the, the several of the robot masters from the game, and then have a brief platforming section, and then fight another robot master, and then another platforming section, and so on. The boss of Wily Castle 2 is a doppelganger, Mega Man but evil. There's this uh, very cool checkerboard background in this arena. It it looks really neat if you want to look it up, listeners. But with this boss, if you just park yourself in a corner and just keep shooting as quickly as you can, you can shred the doppelganger's health. Because as far as I could tell, he almost exclusively attacks when jumping. So he'll jump and fire a bullet. But if you don't jump, you can't be hit by it. Uh, And he also gets staggered and retreats after being hit. So he, he's one of the easier bosses in the game, in my opinion. Wily Castle 3 is set in a storm drain. I don't know, underneath the castle? Who knows? In later games, we'll get a map of Wily's castle as we go through it, but here we're just one stage to the next. There's no overarching uh, visual indicator of where you are. The boss here is actually a series of smaller enemies. They're, uh, I called them bubble bots. They're robot cubes shielded within bubbles that strafe around the edges of a big square room that you're in, and you need to defeat ten of them with each subsequent one speeding up as the previous one is beaten. Uh, I think you only have to fight one at a time, uh, if memory serves. There are four big bricks in the room that you can throw to pretty much eliminate the bubbles in one hit, but they don't respawn if you die. So you get one shot to use them and then... You need to use other powers until you get a game over and click continue. Wily Castle 4 is a Gutsman factory, and we get the rest of the boss rush here. 
where we uh, go through the remaining robot masters. The final boss of the game here is the Wily Machine. In the first phase, the Flying Machine shoots bullets directly at Mega Man, and it's weak to the fire shot. In the second phase, the cockpit opens up and you can see Dr. Wily glaring at you from inside. And at this point, the machine starts firing swirling energy blasts towards you, which are much harder to dodge. This phase is weak to the Elect Beam. After the fight, Wily falls out of the exploding machine and begs for his life on the ground from Mega Man, who looks on impassively. For the end credits sequence, Mega Man runs through fields and jumps into the air at the end when he reaches Dr. Light and Roll. I think this is the first time that we see Light and Roll's sprites. Is that true, Hamilton? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and if you haven't looked at the instruction manual, there's no indication of who these characters are. Which, admittedly, you know, games in the 80s, you would look at the instruction manual before you played them, usually. But heaven help you if you rented this. You'd just, you'd get to these two wacky people at the end and have no idea who they are. I was like, who? Yeah. Yeah, Roll, in case you missed it earlier, listeners, is Mega Man's quote-unquote sister. She's a housekeeping robot who helps out around Dr. Light's lab. In this very neat design detail that I found online, there was a booklet sent to winners of the Rockman Ford design competition in Japan, and we'll talk more about those design competitions in later episodes. That booklet revealed via comments from the development team that Mega Man's sister Roll was originally planned to be a damsel in distress who Mega Man was on a quest to rescue from Dr. Wily. That was the original plot of this game, which they wisely cut. The coolest detail, though, is that Roll was going to be a boss. She would have been a, like, gigantic robot uh, in Wily's castle who shoots lasers out of her eyes at Mega Man. But that was all cut. I'm kind of sad that we didn't get Mega Monster Roll. Right? That would have been kind of cool. It would have been. to our final impressions folks spencer what did you think about this game hated it (laughs) (laughs) um the movement doesn't feel fun Mm -hmm. uh it feels really (sighs) i don't want to say old or outdated because a lot of the classic platformers still feel really good like, even, like, Mario 1, mm-hmm. I think if you pick it up and play it, it still feels really satisfying and fun. Um, you know, especially, like, Super Nintendo stuff. But, like, even NES-wise, like, there's something, there's a clunkiness to this that is at odds with, I think, what makes platformers and, like, platformer shooters feel good. Mm-hmm. There's real hateful things here in terms of just, like, projectiles and obstacles that cannot be avoided. Yeah. Um, and the punishment for those things are just too much. You know, it, it, it's, it feels so bad to, like, fall down a pit because you got hit by an enemy that just bad luck made it impossible for you to deal with. 
with the loadout you had at that point in the game and then have to redo the whole level as a result of it. Yeah. The music's great, you know, like that holds up, but everything from like a gameplay perspective just felt really frustrating and not fun. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because I know the games that came after this did such a better job. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think how to phrase this. With Zelda, there was a lot of stuff to dislike, I think, with like the first Zelda game Mm -hmm. or like Zelda 2. Yeah. But I could see enough DNA in those of the things that I liked better that came later Mm -hmm. that there was still a satisfaction and enjoyment to be had from playing that like like that fundamental version of it yeah but that's not here which is interesting because the later games in this series much more closely resemble this template than later zeldas resemble zelda one and two yeah i feel bad that i can't articulate it better because it's hard to describe just feel right in a more complicated game like we've covered i can break down systems and mechanics and the reasons why you know it feels satisfying to have those different mechanics interact with each other Mm -hmm. and things but here when all you're doing is just a basic jump and a basic you know shoot in one direction the like the little things about how those two mechanics feel are everything Mm mm-hmm right and they don't feel good not in terms of how they control the legacy collection at least or how the game's difficulty is adapted to exploit the weaknesses in those things Mm -hmm. yeah agreed i I took very little joy in this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how about you chris i pretty much concur with everything that you just said i am a dedicated Mega Man super fan but this is a far cry from what this franchise would become even though superficially it resembles it. Like, if you were to put a screenshot of this up against a screenshot of Mega Man 3, you'd think, oh, they're the same game. You know, they they, they look basically identical. Aside from they, they would get a little bit more ambitious with colors and stuff later, but more or less the the whole groundwork is here. And yet, there's an, an inadvertent conspiracy of factors that make this, I would argue, the only out-and-out bad classic Mega Man game. The score system is vestigial and useless, but it has the unfortunate knock-on effect of impacting the game's reward economy, because a full half of the items that you're getting when you defeat enemies in this are score boosters, whereas in later games you would get health or uh, weapon replenishment or extra lives. Uh, The game feel is dreadful even when playing on original hardware or fpga emulation Mega Man still slides around like he's wearing ice skates you know uh which in a game built for precision just doesn't make any sense i just i have no idea what they were going for here and it doesn't even resemble other capcom games on the nes uh, if you think about ducktales or uh little nemo or later Mega Man games. You know, Capcom produced a ton of games for this console, and none of them feel as slipshod as this. And I think a big part of that is just down to this being their first. Capcom had produced arcade ports for the NES so far, but this was the first game programmed from the ground up for that hardware. And I think most of what we're seeing is growing pains, whether it's the clumsy controls or the hateful level design that imitates uh, coin-operated arcade machines. And maybe there was an appeal for that, 
in an era when Mega Man 1 might be the only game that you played for six months. Maybe it would be more appealing to not be able to finish it. But as a person who owned Mega Man 2, 3, 4, and 6 in the 90s, I didn't take any joy back then in being sent back to the start. And I think, as you put it, Spencer, joyless is the best way to describe this experience. Uh, The art design is thankfully on point. This already has the trademark gorgeous Mega Man art design. But that's about all there is to like here. What about you, Hamilton? Um, pretty much just going to echo everything that everyone else said. (laughs) This game is wretched. It's just bad. It's bad from start to finish. There's nothing good about the mechanics at all. The fact that there's ice physics in literally every game is unforgivable. (laughs) It's it's just completely pointless. Mm -hmm. Especially when you have to have areas with precise platforming. Very precise. And you have a... yeah. Your pinky toe can't be out of the uh, of the box <laughs> that you have to stand on, or you're going to plummet to your death. And to have the same physics in that is it's just unacceptable. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what you were on to think that was going to be okay. The bosses all hit like trucks, but sometimes you just can't avoid things. Um, I compared this to, like, Dark Souls in the sense that, like, Dark Souls was less frustrating than this. Oh, yeah, by a country mile. Why? To me, personally? And I'm not even a fan of Dark Souls, but I never, I never spoke badly about it, and I still won't speak badly about it, because it's still a learning curve game. You can get good. I respect games where you can get good. You know? I'm just not that good at Dark Souls, and that's <laughs> fine. This game, you can't get good. You just have to die. You have to die to progress. Yeah, it's that, it's that lack of quick iteration like Spencer talked about, right? Right. And the fact that you're so punished for dying. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get sent to the beginning of the level. Your special um, special ammo doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. Like, replaying a stage, like, you feel no satisfaction completing the stage. I felt nothing beating this, or getting as far as I did in this game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like a hurdle of like, oh, well, at least I, you know, I conquered this mountain. I was just like, why did I even try to climb this mountain? Yeah, Yeah, what did I get out of this? Right, I'm cold, I'm irritated, I'm starving, my family's waiting for me back at home. Yeah. Th- this accomplished literally nothing for me. So when I was done playing it, or when I got to the Yellow Devil, I was just like, I, I'm i not having fun. Mm-hmm. Not only am I not having fun, I'm upset. <laughs> yeah. And like contemplating life choices. Like this was just a complete <laughs> what brought waste. Here? <laughs> this is a waste of time. Yeah. And this one, I just feel like I'm I'm regressing. I'm going from adulthood to childhood, but it's a miserable experience. Mm-hmm. It is. It's just a waste of time. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, an inauspicious start for season four. I have to say, <laughs> uh, I, I did. Um, I did want to draw attention to something that I meant to reference up in my uh, my final impressions comments. Mm-hmm. As far as something that's cool historically about this is the non-linear level design and uh, boss weapon, the rock-paper-scissors system. Those had, as far as I can tell, functionally not been done in any prior 2D platformer. So the sense of scale and scope that this game gets compared to uh, a game where you're just going through one stage after another with no frame of reference is actually pretty cool for 1987. You know, that that's hard to duplicate from modern eyes. 
you know, like not even Mario 3 had come out. Mario 3 was still, what, two years off in the future where you get that world map to see where you're going around. Or uh, Castlevania, where you can see yourself progressing in the little line from each stage to the next. And even then it's linear. Uh, whether linearity is and nonlinearity, that, that's not really a value judgment. You know, linear is not better or worse than nonlinear. But it was a cool thing to let individuals choose stages and puzzle out which ones they should go for in each order. Like the score system, nobody talked about on the playgrounds, but which Robot Master's power was effective against another Robot Master was a fun thing to tease out as a kid. Or to read about in, you know, tips and tricks books and so forth. I mean, I guess you got to start somewhere. Right. It led to something better, in my opinion, by far. Yeah, and it almost didn't, right? Capcom almost just canceled this series outright after the first one. And it would have been left as a, a dismal footnote in video game history. Just what if this was the only Mega Man game? Can you imagine? It makes me curious about... Um... I don't know what you'd call it, like the modern classic Mega Mans, right? Like, is it 10 and 11? Uh, 9 and 10. 9 and 10, mm -hmm. because I have nothing against the format or the aesthetic or the design of this. It's just, well, like the, the art design, at least. Right, right. It's just this, like, hateful gameplay that I wonder if making this, like, classic format with the modern design sensibilities uh, has made, you know, if that plays out a lot better. And that's that for our coverage of Mega Man 1. We hope you've enjoyed listening and encourage you to come back next time for Mega Man 2. In the interim, consider backing us at patreon.com slash franchise festival, where you'll get access to a bonus episode each month, the full archive of past bonus shows, and even have the chance to vote on future episode topics. As for us, we're your hosts, Chris. And I'm Hamilton. And I'm Spencer. Thanks for listening, folks. Goodbye. Goodbye.